This episode brought to you by Audible, and today you can receive a free audiobook and 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash sports. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted, built, and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. This is episode 68. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever platform that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. Facing adversity in life and being able to persevere is something we will all experience, and having that ability to move forward when certain situations don't go as planned is an often overlooked trait. But our guest this episode, Travis Blanks, has just that. Before suffering two ACL tears as a member of the Clemson University football team, Travis was a five-star defensive back and a top 15 ESPN recruit projected to be an NFL star. He would become an immediate starter in 2012, earning all ACC and All-American honors, and would eventually be named a permanent team co-captain in 2015, helping lead the Tigers to the 2015 National Championship game versus Alabama. Even though injuries would derail his NFL career, Travis has found peace in his new role as the assistant director of the Block C Club at Clemson. Here's episode 68 with Travis Blanks. I know we've been talking about this for a while for us to get together and we finally were able to get our schedules to align. So I appreciate you spending time with me talking about your journey. And we're here at Clemson University, Clemson, South Carolina. And you got here in 2012 and you're still here. So what's the appeal to Clemson that keeps you here beyond your playing days? Well, Clemson really just became home to me. Uh, just I, I really enjoyed my experience, not only on the field, but off the field. The relationships that I built here, uh, met my wife here, just built some lifelong friendships here as well. And so the upstate of South Carolina has become home to me. When you're growing up in Florida, what was the appeal to Clemson when you're being recruited? Clemson was it, it's very unique in that it's the university, the city revolves around the university. Uh, Clemson, South Carolina is Clemson University. And that's the whole essence of being in Clemson is being surrounded by the school, the, the people that come to the school, the staff and faculty, the fans, uh, the whole nine yards. That's the that was the appeal to, about Clemson to me coming from Florida. Uh, not many. A lot of schools you may go visit the, the town or the city doesn't necessarily revolve around the university. The university is just a part of the town or the city, whereas Clemson. Clemson University. Clemson is Clemson University. So that, that was the appeal to me. I really enjoyed that because people really embraced the school, the university, athletics. And I, I wanted to be a part of something like that. So it was a smaller town environment more appealing to you than some, you know, a big city type of situation with some of the other schools that were recruiting you? Yes, it was. Um, because, number one, I felt like it w- there were going to be less distractions. And being a college student, you can find distractions if you want to. But being in Clemson is, again, it, it, 
a small town where people really embraced the university. So I felt like it was going to afford me a really good opportunity to expand my network more easily than I would have been able to, let's say, if I was in Dallas, Texas or something like that, a major city. Uh, less distractions. Um, and then when we play on Saturdays, you know that everyone in Clemson is going to be either at the game or outside of the stadium tailgating or something like that because, again, Clemson University is Clemson. So when people come on football Saturdays, they're coming for football. They're not just coming to town to do something else. And so that was appealing to me because I knew it was going to be a packed-out stadium. There were going to be a lot of people watching and a, a ton of support. So. And you knew they were going to be engaged. That's right. Watching that game on Saturdays. So let's walk back, though, before you get to Clemson, before you're recruited, the number 15 player in the nation by ESPN, before all of that, what's your earliest memories of you gravitating towards sports and when you started playing sports? So I've always been an active kid. I grew up, I have a very big family, tons and tons and tons of cousins and uncles and aunts and so on and so forth. So I've always been influenced by sports. Even before I started playing sports, I had cousins and uncles that played sports that I always looked up to. So uh, sports have always been a part of my life, but I can remember uh, being eight years old. That's when I first played organized football. And funny, Sammy Watkins and I were on the same Pop Warner team, my first, my <laughs> okay. first ever Pop Warner team. And there were some other guys like Dallas Crawford who he's not a Clemson guy. He played at University of Miami, he was a defensive back, played some quarterback. Just thinking about the Division One guys on my first Pop Warner team, there were a few others. But, yeah, Sammy Watkins and I actually played on the same Pop Warner team, which was my first year ever playing organized football. And how crazy is that it would come full circle later on that you both would be at Clemson? Yeah, I still can't believe yeah. how that yeah. transpired. And your mom was okay with you playing tackle football because I know there's some moms that don't want their sons playing tackle football. There's obviously a lot of discussions about CTE and con mm -hmm. concussions, but your mom was open to you playing football? Oh, yeah. Um, my mom didn't ha really have any concerns. Now, granted, this was back in 2002, so the technology and the, the studies that have been done uh, involving concussions and CTE and all that stuff, it, wa it wasn't as advanced and as prevalent as it is now so but even if, even if it was my mom would have let me play football um, and, and I'm thankful too because football really has played a major part into my development and who I am taught me a lot of a lot of lessons and did you play other sports though throughout you know, you start in the Pop Warner League with football but what other sports were you active in um I was active just growing up I was active in basketball here and there I wasn't really serious about it it's just something to do I was active in track. I ran, I ran AAU track, which is travel track. Very active in that. Uh, I did that for about four or five years. I and ran, what were your events? I ran the hurdle, ran a 100 hurdles, which I, I was third in the state. Uh, this was sixth grade. So I was third in the state of Florida in the 100 hurdles in sixth grade. I ran the four by four, four, uh, four by one in the 200. Now, the hurdles seem very, very difficult because it's mind-boggling to me to know that you're trying to run as fast as you can, but you've got an obstacle in your way. So how difficult was that for you to learn the techniques involved with hurdling? Well, it's all muscle memory and rhythm. Once you get the muscle memory and the rhythm down, 
you know, one, two, three, jump, one, two, three, jump, and you got that internal clock going on in your head, it's not as difficult as it would seem. Yeah, but how um, many times did you fall when you hit a hurdle? I, I, actually, I actually only fell one time. In okay, a, well, that's why like you're third yeah, in the state, because you were good. <laughs> yeah, I only hit a hurdle once. And, and because it's really, like I said, once you build that muscle memory and you have that internal clock, one, two, three, jump, and you're just running and jumping, running and jumping, you get to a point where it's, I mean, it's second nature. Now, you mentioned football playing a big part in your life and how it shaped you. So how was your childhood growing up from a family situation, and what was it like? Well, I had a really good childhood growing up. Um, Come from a really big family. Um, My mom and dad never married, so my mom was the primary caretaker of us and single parent. So there were some difficulties in that, but holistically, I had a great childhood. My mom always worked hard and still great qualities in me, and... Um, we didn't move a lot. Uh, that, what we moved, we made one big move. So as I mentioned, I played on part one team with Sammy Watkins, 2002. That was when I was in second grade. Well, when I got to third grade, my mom transitioned us from Fort Myers into Tallahassee. And so a lot of people, if you ask where Travis Blanks is, and they're related to Clemson, they'll say Tallahassee because that's where I went to high school. At, you know, if I'm being introduced, that's typically what's – but I was actually born in Fort Myers, so I'm from Fort Myers. So you've got a lot of family in Fort Myers. All of my family's in Fort Myers, yeah. And, but I, if I'm talking to Clemson-related people, I just say I'm from Tallahassee just because it's easier. I don't have to explain. I was born here, but I'm from here. So, <laughs> so, no, we didn't move a lot, but we did make that one big move. When I was in third grade, we moved from Fort Myers to Tallahassee. And that's where I that's where I primarily grew up. And my mom just wanted to get us in a place where the the, the surrounding was a little bit different. Not to say that there aren't bad things that happen in Tallahassee, just as there are in Fort Myers, but we just she just wanted to get us into a, a better environment. And so we moved to Tallahassee. Did you have a relationship with your father though? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have a very close relationship okay. with my dad. Yeah. I'm very, very close to uh, my dad's side of the family as well. Talk to him every every at least three or four times a week. So yeah, had a good good childhood. And I know faith has been important to you in your journey as well. So when did that come into play for you? Was that in your childhood or was it later in life for you? I would say my life has always been focused around around Jesus, around God, however you want to term it, um, around Christianity. My faith, my faith has always been a part of just my culture because my, my grand, obviously my grandma went to church and she, she kept us in church on Sundays. And now when I was little, it was more of a checklist thing. Like, oh, grandma's got to, she's got making us go to church again. So it, it really wasn't as purposeful as it is now, but it's always been a part of, a, a part of my identity. I would say that I really didn't start walking in that, in my identity and purposefully walking in it until I got to about eighth or ninth grade when I, went to uh, North Florida Christian, the school that I, the high school that I graduated from. Um, and it's just funny how that happened. It's the Lord just kind of, you know, just put that in front of us because growing up in Tallahassee, I went to a public uh, middle school and I, I was playing football, one of the best in the city at that time. And uh, this school actually approached us about me coming there because we we had our, we, we knew we couldn't afford a private school education. We knew we probably couldn't afford the commute and all of that stuff. So we really didn't even think about when I was at my old public middle school, we, we had no thoughts of, 
okay, so are you going to go to the public school or the private school? It was the public school all the way. We And I mean, that's just what we were planning on. But seventh grade, um, there were some individuals in town that were involved with the private school that I went to that said, hey, we need to take a look at this kid. He's really good. And so some things happened. The Lord worked it out where I was able to go to that school and be able to spend yeah. my and that high school career. your walk in faith as well. Oh, absolutely. That was, very, that was a very pivotal five years of my life, eighth grade through 12th grade. That was, yeah, very pivotal in my faith in the Lord and my um, walk with Christ. And I know we all have dreams and aspirations of playing at the highest level and playing in the pros. So was there a vivid memory of you having that type of dream, I want to play in the NFL? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a – and for me, it, was, it wasn't as much about the NFL as it was just wanting to reach the pinnacle. If the pinnacle was the CFL, then I would have wanted to be in the CFL. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no matter what, I just want to go to the very, the very highest level of the game that you could go. That's what I wanted to do. And that just happened to be the NFL. But, yeah, I think that that's very – it would surprise me if every little kid's dream that's playing football isn't to reach the height of the game. Yes, we all dream about that. Right. But having a realistic dream, when did that – hit home for you in terms of realizing that there's a good chance because I'm being recognized and I'm understanding that I'm better than some of these other players out here. When did that hit you? Uh, probably 11th grade or so when I really just look back and just, well, when I look forward and say, you know what, this is realistic. I, I really could make it. I have the skill set. And um, 11th grade, when I started receiving more national recognition, scholarship offers, so on and so forth. How difficult was the recruiting process for you in terms of not necessarily trying to choose a school, but just all these schools trying to contact you and just the challenge of there's only so much time in a day <laughs> that right. you can spend talking to people. So right. how challenging was that? Well, it, it's the recruiting process is only as challenging as you make it, because if someone calls, that doesn't mean you have to answer. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but you have to. Like for me, I tried to set parameters like this window of time during the day is when I was going to check text messages and listen to voicemails and call people back. And then during these hours of the day, I wasn't going to do that. And so if you set parameters like that and just manage it well, it's not that difficult. But ironically, the, the, the most difficult part of the recruiting process is not in relation to college coaches and their recruiting. It's the recruiting services it's the rivals reporters, the 24-7 reporters, the camp reporters at these different schools. It's that part of the recruiting process <laughs> that has nothing That's to do. That's the challenge. That has nothing to do with you choosing a school. Right. Yeah. That, so that to me, that was the biggest deal because per NCAA regulations, coaches can only call you certain times of the year anyway. And during the fall isn't one of those times. So. I mean, you take that part out of it, and then you really look back and say, hey, 80% of the calls I got weren't from college coaches. <laughs> from the recruiting services right. trying to find out the intel. Yeah, right. Where's Travis Blanks going? What's going through his mind? That's exactly right. <laughs> so was there a time, though, when you get a call from a coach that it hits you that, my goodness, like Dabo Sweeney's calling me or Nick Saban's calling me that right. it was – somewhat of a starstruck moment. Well, I th I, and that, that happened to me a few times. One time, Les Miles called me. 
And I'm just like, and at that time, you know, I'm in high school. I'm, I, I can't really fathom, you know, that's, my, that's a legendary <laughs> coach. But he called me, left me a voicemail, and I'm just, and now looking back on that, I, that shit is crazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jim Trestle. Jim Trestle called me and left me a voice message just talking on the phone, and that was pretty crazy to me. Uh, Nick Saban came to my school, FaceTime with my mom, and so that was crazy. Um, and then, obviously, the experience that I've had with Dabo, with Coach Sweeney, that was just awesome and continues to be. So, yeah, I, I had a, quite a few of those moments uh, during my recruiting process that may not have meant as much then, but looking back on it, just thinking to myself, wow, that's... Those are big moments yeah. in your life. <laughs> and with Les Miles, that's when LSU was obviously one of the yeah. top programs yeah, in were, the country and obviously Alabama, Ohio State as well. But then you face, of all things, Les Miles and LSU in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl in 2012. And that a lot of people view that game as the pivotal point in terms of where they are now winning a national championship. But Clemson's down early. You have an interception in that game, which proves to be a big interception as well. So what was that like? You're on the sidelines. It's fourth and 16. And to, did you have any positive thoughts thinking that, all right, I think we can do this. Taj and Nuke are going to be able to do this. Yeah, I honestly didn't have, just thinking back to that moment, I didn't have any expectations for the outcome of the game. I really didn't. I, I wasn't thinking win or lose. I was just thinking play. Um, and I knew we had one more play then. Well, what we thought would be one more play, what could have been one more play. I knew we had fourth and 16, but I, I really wasn't thinking about win or lose. I was just thinking, okay, whatever happens, happens. And, and really what and really what I'm saying is that I was at peace even if we lost that game because I knew we played the best we, we could play that game. With, and, given, and especially given the circumstances with Sammy, Sammy going out the first play, some other things that happened. I mean, the, the phenomenal defense that that – I mean, that whole team is in the NFL pretty much or had been in the NFL at one point in time. Two Pro Bowl wide receivers on that team, a couple of running backs that got drafted, a quarterback that got drafted. So, I mean, if you look at that roster, all of these things – I look at all of those things and I look at that fourth and 16 play and I just think to myself that, okay, if we don't get this and we lose this game by uh, two points or whatever the case would have been, that's fine. We, we played a great game. Not saying that I, I accept losing, but I, w- I would have been okay with the outcome because we gave it everything we had. So fourth and 16, I really wasn't thinking about we need to convert this. And have you always had that type of mentality to be able to find peace in – sometimes losing, but knowing that you did give it all you had. Well, I think that that's what I was going to say. Having the peace of being able to accept a loss, I think that comes from your effort during that loss. Because there have been times where you know you you, you left something in the tank and you can't accept that loss because you didn't give it everything you had. So, so the, the confidence or I guess the the assurance that, man, you know what, we lost this game, but it's okay, that comes from the effort that you give during that game. Was there a game that you remember that you felt that you didn't give it your all? No, I, not, a, not me specifically. I can't uh, vividly remember, but just thinking back to the national championship game, my last game, I know, I, looking back, I knew there were some, some moments and some times 
where we made some pivotal mistakes that we normally don't make or where we didn't, you know, didn't make a specific tackle or could have made an interception. I just think back to some plays in that game and I know, you know, I know we, we should have won that game and I know we could have won that game if we just did a few things differently. So it's, it's a little bit harder for me to accept a game like that versus if we would have lost to LSU on 4th and 16. Is there a specific thing in that loss to Alabama that you remember that, man, I'd love to go back and be able to do this over again? Well, obviously, the first thing that comes to a lot of people's minds is the onside kick, but that's not the first thing that comes to my mind because the onside kick, to me, that's just part of the game. Sometimes you're going to get out-schemed. Sometimes you're gonna, they're going to outsmart you. They're going to catch you slipping some way or somehow. That's part of the game, and that's why – Nick Saban's a good coach, just like Coach Sweeney's a good coach. I mean, they're both good coaches because they make good decisions, they scheme well, they manage games well. And so anytime you're going up against a worthy opponent like that, things like that are going to happen. So the onside kick, I give them that one. What I, what I look back on are the busted plays that we, that we had. We gave up, you know, 14 or, or 21 points of busted plays, you know, and we lost the game by five points. So those are some of the things. I think O.J. Howard had a field day that day. I mean, three <laughs> touchdowns or whatever it was, and they weren't all contested touchdowns. And so that, those are the things I look back on that I wish we could just go back and – Give me one more shot at it. Cover right? them, yeah, cover them a little better, tackle them a little better, you know. So what was it like, though, playing against Alabama in the national championship game, that type of pressure? Well, it was overrated, to be honest with you. It really wasn't a lot of pressure. It was just it was overrated because it was Alabama. I mean, in my in my humble opinion, and I don't mean this to bag on anybody, but I feel like we played tougher teams than Alabama before. That wasn't the toughest game we played in. In my opinion, that wasn't the toughest game we played in in 2015. What was the toughest game then? Uh, I mean, you go back. I think back to games like uh, Notre Dame was a, a tough game because they. They did. They were so multiple in what they did. I mean, they ran a hundred different formations. NC State was a tough game that year because they did literally 20, 30 different formations. And I mean, they would switch who's eligible. The tackle might be eligible. The, they might move the tight end over. He might be ineligible. Then move somebody on the line of scrimmage, and they do throwback passes and reverses and the whole nine yards. So NC State was tough that year. Notre Dame was tough that year. I mean, Louisville came down to the last few plays of that of game when we went to Louisville in 2015. And we won by three or whatever the case was. So I, I just look back, and in my opinion, Alabama wasn't the toughest game that we played that year. So the, I wouldn't say that there was a lot of pressure. The pressure is that Clemson had been to the national championship in 31 years. That was the pressure. The pressure wasn't the opponent. And looking back – what was that transition like coming from high school to the college level? Was there a big gap in terms of what you had to learn based on the differences between high school and college? Yeah, there's a, that, that, that's a large jump just because you go from high school football where it's not a lot of, it's not a lot of scheme, it's not a lot of you know, adjustments. And, now, there, there is some because there are some, there are some you know, sophisticated offenses and defenses at the high school level. But in college, it's just, it's just different. You know, it's different because now, now you, you're, 
the meeting time is increased times 10. You meet a lot more. You you have time to dig in a little bit more. And so with that comes a lot more learning, a lot more adjusting. And so it, it was a big step. But once you get the hang of it, it's still football, you know. And what was it like the first time you play in Death Valley, run down the hill, and the crowd's going crazy? What was that experience Yeah, like? that was pretty crazy. I, it wasn't as crazy as it could have been, but it was still crazy. Just comparing it to some, some of my other experiences, like a Florida State game, like a Georgia game, like a Notre Dame game running down the hill. My first game in Death Valley, we uh, played Ball State. And so it was, it was a big game, but it wasn't, you know, just gigantic. But it was still, um, it was still a phenomenal experience. And I actually, in that my first game in Death Valley, I actually got player of the game, defensive player of the game that game. Well, that's a special game for you then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now running down the hill in some of those big game type of situations, were there ever thoughts of, I just want to make sure I don't fall? Yeah, I never, I never really had to think that because I never did anything or went fast enough that I knew I would fall. I wasn't trying to jump at the top of the hill like some guys and all that. So I never really worried about falling down the hill. You're just conservative. Just get out there so I can play the game. That's exactly right. right. Now, then you have some injuries at Clemson, two torn ACLs or two knee surgeries, and it impacts that dream of making it to the NFL. So how difficult was that for you to have to go through that process? It was hard, but most of the time when you're going through something, you don't, you viewed it a little bit differently. So looking back on it, you know, I think to myself, man, that was really tough. How did I get through that? But when you're in it, you just adjust, you adapt, you know, that's two things that, that, that you don't have to teach a human how to survive and how to adapt. I mean, you, you got to adapt to survive. The only thing, the only other option is to quit or to give up or, so I just adapted, you know, um, when I tore my ACLs, I just, what's next? Rehab, come back, play. Okay. When I get done playing, work out for the NFL, doesn't work out. Okay. I can't quit there. I got a, I got a wife. I got to, you got to survive. So I got to go get a job. And so you just, as, as a human being and as a competitor, I just adapted, you know? So I really never really gave myself a chance to pity or to, to, to sit down long enough to think, man, this is really tough. What am I going to do? I just went, you know? Was there any times where, you know, if you made that decision, didn't work out with NFL, that you're going to move on with your playing career, was it any difficulty as far as making that transition? Because a lot of people, their identity is being that football player, being that athlete. So was that a challenge for you? Of course it was. Um, anytime you're doing something that, anytime you dedicate yourself to something for a long period of time and you part with that, that's going to be tough. It doesn't matter what it is. So yes, it was tough, but I also knew that the Lord has instilled many different gifts and talents and abilities in me. And what my outlook on my transition away from football was going to, was going to determine, you know, my future success. Either I can look at my transition from football as, oh, well, I'm a regular person now. I'm not going to be successful. Or I can look at it as, okay, this is an opportunity to use what I've learned in football and instill that in my career now. And so that's just how I viewed it. I viewed it as, you know, it's just a next chapter in my life and, it's going to be a great chapter. And going back to some of your playing days and against like a Florida State, was there extra motivation for you 
playing Florida State since you did go to high school in Tallahassee, and I, I know they recruited you as well. Mm-hmm. So was it extra motivation, especially when you're playing at Florida State? Definitely. Uh, Florida State, I tell people this all the time, Florida State was always my biggest rival. Just because I knew so many people that went there, I know some of the donors there, some of the players that, that went there at the time that I played, I knew some of them, and it was just, Florida State was my biggest, my biggest enemy. I wanted to beat them every and, year. And did you have athletes and players that you looked up to um, growing up that were in the NFL, and what teams did you like growing up? Uh, I was never really a big NFL fan. I. Not in the sense that I don't like it, but I never had a team. I, I was never a Bucks fan or a Dolphins fan, or and then I was then in and from on the college level. I used to watch Florida State growing up, but I was more of a a, a player specific type of guy. I like specific players. And what players? I loved Sean Taylor, obviously, because growing up in Tallahassee, they played every year, and Sean Taylor dominated them every year. <laughs> so I loved Sean Taylor. I mean, there were there were a lot of I, I can sit here and name off a lot of players, but Sean Taylor's probably my all-time favorite player. Just just to watch and uh, just to try to emulate my game after he was probably the, the best. And what about when you got to Clemson? Who were some of the players that you saw and were like, man, that guy is a beast? Um, New Hopkins. My freshman year was his junior year. He was just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, obviously, Sammy. Um, played with guys like Vic, like Stefan. I mean, Taj was a good Deshaun. I mean, I played with. Oh, you've played with some of the elite yeah, of the elite at Clemson, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I played with some guys that were just unbelievable. And how were the practices then when you've got all this talent out there? Were the practices heated and competitive? Honestly, when you, when you don't know anything different, it's just normal to you. You know, so I never experienced what it was like not to be practicing with all Americans and first round draft picks. I never, I, that was normal. So I don't, so because that's my perspective, I might look back on, on it and say, yeah, it was all right. Was, <laughs> but to, to someone who that, who that's not normal to, yeah, these they outsiders, may, they may look at it. it like, wow, that's like an NFL practice. But, exactly. but to me, to me looking back on it, it was just normal. I mean, it was just, you know, practice <laughs> <laughs> just your another day for you right, right. <laughs> now explain what you're doing now as we mentioned you're you're still here at Clemson you're with the block C program so what all does that entail for you and what you're doing in your career right now yeah so the block C club is our letter winners association and it's housed in the, in the fundraising arm of athletics which is IPTE. and so my primary responsibility is to engage and connect with our former student athletes whether that's from a development perspective getting them to join our annual fund getting them to donate uh, you know major gifts uh, towards our facilities and endowments and scholarships and student athlete programming, all of that stuff. So there's a development component of my job and there's also an engagement part of my job where I'm uh, primarily reaching out and just making sure uh, our former student athletes feel connected to the university and understanding that they have an avenue to remain connected to not only Clemson University, but athletics specifically. Um, So it's not just football. It's all of Clemson former athletes. Right, right. And, And it's also not just limited to Clemson former student athletes. That's just the primary focus of it. So if I met, you know, John Doe in Atlanta, who's a Clemson fan and uh, he wants to get connected, 
you know, I'll help him, you know, just brainstorm on what, which ways do you want to get connected? Is, is that financially? Is that time? Is that coming to football games? Whatever the case may be. Uh, so it, it's a wide variety of development and engagement, primarily focused on former student athletes, but not limited to. So when you look back now, where you are, what you're doing, some of the adversity that you have had to face uh, through your playing career and just in life, everybody faces adversity. How has sports helped you in your journey and what you're doing now? Well, I think sports have have helped me in that it just shapes your perspective because in sports, you're going to at some point in time, you're going to get an injury. You're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to be persistent. You're going to have to be on your best every day when you're competing for a position. So there's tons of qualities and attributes that that sports drives in you year after year after year that you play the game or the games, whatever sport you play. Um, So there are a ton of things that football just shaped and instilled in me that are applicable in life now. And do you miss it? Uh, I miss it in a different way. Uh, Not not necessarily playing um, sometimes, but I'm, I'm pretty content with my life now. But there are some, some, sometimes I miss it, sometimes I don't. When I watch them run in the summer, I don't miss it. <laughs> but then when I watch them win the national championship, I do miss it. So <laughs> you know, it, just depend, it just depends on, on, you know, the time. and You don't and miss the grind. Well, some parts of it, yeah, some parts of it. I miss, I miss the, the not hurting, but... I miss what though what the grind did for you. Like I look back now, I'm like, man, my body was capable of that. Like my my body fat percentage was five percent. <laughs> I mean, that was crazy. Just so some things like that I miss, you know, because when you're in it, you don't really you don't you view it as normal. Versus when you're out of it, you look back and you're like, man, wow. I wish I could just bottle all of that up and and just keep that. You know, of course. So and you've been around Coach Sweeney for many years and obviously been influential in your life. And he's a big person of positivity and words of wisdom. So what words of wisdom has meant a lot to you over the years that's impacted your life that you would like to share? Now, that's a loaded question because there, I mean, I know there's a lot. Be, be the best version of you. That's one thing that I always enjoyed hearing, whether it was from Coach Sweeney or because in life, you can't, you can only be the best you can be. You can only run your race. And that's one thing that I really like about Coach Sweeney is that he's not going to take a guy, he's not going to make Cole Stout try to be Taj Boyd. He just wants Cole Stout to be the best Cole Stout he can be. Mm-hmm. And I just use that as an example. But that's really those are really wise words and something that if you can really just get the grasp of it as a young person or even as a, wherever you are in your life it is beneficial because we live in a time where people, a lot of people, they compare themselves. They're jockeying for a position, whether it's corporate or whether it's in the business world or on the field sports. But in life, if you just focus on being the best you, you know, you can you, you just have to live with the results of what happens. I think that's a great perspective and I know you're living that and you're just allowing me to be a part of your journey. So thank you so much, Travis. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Enjoyed it, man. Thank you.
The term next play is something we often hear in sports referring to the ability of moving forward to the next task regardless of the outcome. And it's not always easy to have that mindset, especially when there are situations when you question your effort or your effort wasn't the best. However, it's obvious that Travis has been able to adopt that next play mentality not only through the wins and losses on the field, but also in the setbacks in life, and he's been able to find that piece because it's been a direct proportion of the effort that he put in. Now that finishes episode 68, and remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.